Roar of the Yeti podcast. This is our second podcast titled Let Them Eat Bison. I'm your host, uh, but I'm not going to identify myself because I'm afraid of retribution from the Yeti. So, anyway, uh, this podcast is uh, based on a, a series of communications sent back from the Herald of the Yeti, who was uh, currently, or at the time, was uh, stationed amongst the, the human societies in southern Alberta, in one of the larger cities in southern Alberta or the large city in southern Alberta, to, to be more than cryptic. Um, the Herald uh, was charged with trying to report back on any types of cultural and moral conflicts happening within human societies. Yeah, these are weird. They like to pay attention to human societies kind of in this way. And apparently the only way they like to do this is to send uh, young Yeti spies into human society um, to fulfill uh, this, uh, this goal. I imagine. So, um, getting a hold of these communications, I was able to translate a number of them, uh, and they were pertaining to the topic of the killing and consuming of animals uh, as a moral um, dilemma in human societies. Um, They seem to be caught up a lot on on that some humans like to eat meat, some humans don't, but what seemed to really concern the Yeti here was the kind of the, the inconsistent stance we had with eating some animals but not others, and really the respect that we, we give to the animals, uh, which was quite interesting. It's kind of like their take. You kind of see what they, what they focus on uh, a lot of the time uh, and how we can, we can draw meaning from, from how they criticize our cultures. But anyway, uh, at the end of the podcast, after I read the, the series of communications, uh, uh, more or less little snippets, um, there's the decree of the Yeti that I'm going to read mostly in whole. I'm going to uh, ignore some of the... the Reasons near the end, there's a little bit of fine print um, uh, as to uh, the Yeti decree as to what they think we should be eating, which is kind of uh, outrageously uh, as a patronizing of them and of them to do. But you know they're Yeti, so that's what they do. Anyway, uh, so it starts. This is the, the Herald of the Yeti. Humans can disagree mightily on the topic of meat, while most habitually eat the flesh of a certain number of species. Uh, slaughtered and prepared by another. Others refuse to use or wear products derived from animals in any way. Others still make a hobby of hunting and preparing their own meat. Such a myriad of mental or uh, moral stances, and they do not make for uh, comfortable dinner conversations. To make matters worse or more confusing, humans seem to prefer uh, to preference certain species over others for seemingly inconsistent moral reasons. Uh, I'd just like to interject and add that uh, these inconsistent morals we'll get to in a little bit later, but I do want to jump ahead and talk about uh, what what the Herald uh, calls the human moral spectrum. So, I'm jumping in. All humans, all humans draw the line of what they uh, would not eat along a, a kind of continuum or spectrum. On one end of this continuum is the forms of animals so foreign and uh, so foreign and seemingly so vapid that morality is rarely extended. On the other are beings so aware and familiar as to constitute members of one's own family. The majority of humans find it difficult to apply ethics to the treatment of a sea cucumber and would be morally outraged and disgusted at the prospect of the slaughter and consumption of a family member. The reasons for such a, uh, such a scale or spectrum is that humans correctly associate ethics and morality with intellect and awareness. Or to put it better, humans extend moral, uh, moral behavior and ethical treatment to all things that display consciousness. 
And because intelligence is a prerequisite for consciousness, or at least a good indicator of consciousness, humans tend to feel uh, tend to feel uncomfortable. The more uncomfortable eating the flesh of more intelligent species, uh, most humans would feel less thrilled about consuming the flesh of monkeys um, as compared to as they would with cattle. Um, and then uh, most humans would balk at the notion of eating dolphin and would be horrified at the prospect of consuming gorilla or chimpanzee, uh, which is altogether comforting, for it appears that they would be hard-pressed to take a liking to Yeti for the same reasons. Uh, <laughs> as a side note, I would just like to, to affirm that uh, I think he's being a little bit sardonic here, uh, the herald the of the Yeti. I, I don't believe he is really wholly concerned with humans and and if we ever tried to start eating them, uh, it would be a difficult thing to do, considering that we mostly don't think that they exist, and that's, that's mostly true. So, Anyway, I continue. Although it is morally and ethically correct for humans to value consciousness, um, for it is the, the chief aspect by which humans um, consider when choosing to act ethically, uh, there is another aspect that humans consider uh, almost as important. Um, besides consciousness. And this aspect is, is often wrongly considered, wrongly, uh, that, that is wrongly considered when choosing if an entity is worthy of ethical treatment. Uh, so basically, it's not an ethical thing. And this aspect is almost as, as persuasive as consciousness to most humans occupying uh, these regions, western, southwestern regions of Canada. The aspect is subjectivity. Humans wrongly feel that beings closest to oneself are more deserving of moral treatment than strange beings of similar consciousness. Well, uh, and the Herald here lists a number of anecdotal examples, and actually a number of communications are just like this, of examples where humans are morally inconsistent with certain animals of similar consciousness, much to the chagrin of the Yeti. They don't seem to understand this, and much I can understand being in the position that they occupy as a different species than humans, they can be quite concerned with such inconsistent moral behavior towards others. You know, like at least if we were uh, assholes to all animals, all different species of animals, at least that was predictable. But you know, anyway, uh, I digress. Um, I'd like to, to go on to, uh, I believe, what the Herald's most colorful example is uh, of this moral stance in regards to, to the inconsistency animals. And I, I believe that when he starts talking about the consumptions of pigs and dogs. So... Um, the human version of the boar and the wolf, or the pig and the dog, respectively. Both animals, like their wild counterparts, are quite intelligent and are almost universally considered to be quite conscious by human standards. However, in this region, pig is widely consumed, whereas most humans would not eat dog and are actually morally offended by the prospect. Uh, it appears that this subjectivity applies intraspecifically as well. Uh, for those uh, for though most humans consume pig and cow regularly, those same people, if not, if having had a close relationship with most any member of the aforementioned species, a relationship as, such as raising a calf or a piglet as a family pet, uh, they would be unable to slaughter and prepare that same animal for consumption. Um, and he goes on here and gets a little bit insulting. As a, it is the nature of humans' arrogance for an individual human to be convinced that merely being familiar uh, with an individual, grants that individual worthy of enough respect as to not be butchered. It's the, the pomposity of, human, of the human individual to believe that they have the power 
to bestow such moral rights onto creatures just by knowing them, like some sort of uh, demigod of virtue. And uh, he continues on like this for a, a while. Uh, a few other communications are just like that, basically just dissing humans and their arrogance and their stupidity and blah, blah, blah. And, you know. Anyway, um, he seems to be morally uh, convinced that the, the problem is, is that we can hold these these beliefs and we're so unbothered that we hold that we hold these beliefs and we live by these such contradictions and it doesn't seem to bother us. It seems to really bother the, the, the Yeti and especially the Herald of the Yeti. Um, so he, he does get into a kind of a final communication, which I believe uh, it sums up the Yeti take uh, on this whole moral dilemma, I think, well. Um, and I think it hints at a deeper kind of Yeti philosophy while addressing some physical limits to uh, the moral philosophy of humans. So, despite the paradoxical moral stances that most humans take in regards to the species of animal and subjective nature of how humans apply their moral practices, humans are generally moral creatures who are concerned about the well-being of other conscious creatures. This morality was, if this morality was consistently applied, uh, the same morality applied in the treatment of how most humans treat their dogs, then all but a few humans would probably eat nothing more intelligent than a fish. However, the sheer economics of agricultural land use and the collapse of uh, fisheries all around the world uh, means that all humans in this region could not become wholly pescatarians without huge local land reforms and a great cost to the world's oceans. Though humans have made a convincing argument against meat, they live in a world where they do have to consume meat sometimes, or at least some of it. Uh, or a little meat, I guess, the, the translation there. Um, it goes on. Humanity in this region does not seem to find itself in a moral, uh, does seem to find itself in a moral predicament. And instead of uh, facing the issue head on, they mostly deal with it in cowardly ways. Humans rarely kill and prepare their own meat, buying it in nice packages, absence of the gore associated with butchery. They distance themselves from the distasteful part of animal consumption and revel only in the celebration of a full belly. This distance helps people to become gluttonous, and as a result, the humans of this region consume far more meat, far more meat than they need. Humans disrespect the animals they consume, writing them off as too stupid or useless for existence, and in a way deserving of such a cruel fate. With this disrespect comes contempt, and with contempt, the ability for humans to raise the animals they consume in sometimes nightmarish fashion. As the wolf and the bear demonstrate, it is not always shameful to consume the flesh of other animals. Yet, the humans have seemingly made it so. Trust a human to turn a natural phenomenon into something grotesquely shameful because they are too cowardly to face it properly. Um, we'll end it there before I give the Herald any more chance to insult us more. Uh, I must say, though, that among the, the Yeti there, there exists a, a stereotype which claims that humans are a bit craven and spineless. Um, might also be kind of true. But, you know. In any case, uh, what follows uh, these communications, uh, so that's the end of the communications. I'll get on to the decree now uh, from the Council of the Yeti concerning the, fear, uh, the affairs of meat consumption. Um, as I said, it's, it's interesting in that it takes in a very solid stance in one direction. It's, it doesn't dilly-dally. 
so the decree is dated 25 days before the summer solstice in the year 12,012 of the Holocene. And it reads, Humanity in the vicinity of the eastern ranges of the Rocky Mountains and the western plains are hereby ordained by the local council of the Yeti to consume bison. Though driven to treat all conscious beings justly, the population of human society in southern Alberta is too great in number to reasonably justify replacing the nutrient protein quota from plant-based or seafood-based protein sources. Unless through supernatural effort, humans occupying this region must consume some animal protein. And so shall it be bison, one animal to fill this role so as to not fall victim to previous patterns of intraspecific preference or moral value. Bison shall be consumed, but not without price. The human cultural practice that promotes the devaluing and disrespecting of the animal that provides sustenance to the human population ends here. It is deplorable behavior to abhor that which, or that which gives you life. If bisons are ultimately making the sacrifice for humanity's nutrition, then they are owed respect. And a bison is a beast that demands reverence. The bison is a manifest power, ancient in the Tarquins, roaming this land in great number from the dawn of our era. Bison are pure majesty, and it is awe, in awe of such majesty that humans find respect. And by virtue of that newfound respect comes the recognition that bison are making a sacrifice for the nutrition and well-being of humans. There are many reasons why bison is the appropriate choice for the populations of humans occupying this region. They can roughly be grouped into a dichotomy of moral and ecological reasons, though they all share some similarities. The primary reason why humans should eat bison is that humans are the natural predator of bison. Long, long before the beginning of the most recent ice age, human and bison were both absent from North America. The bison moved in a couple hundred thousand years ago, slowly replacing the huge pachyderm beasts that characterized the before time. Humans slowly trickled in at first along the coast, then further inland becoming well established before the advent of the Holocene and the tumultuous change in climate. After the chaos at the end of the last ice age, humans and bison were still standing in North America, while many other megafauna had met their demise. The ecosystems across North America rebalanced with humans occupying the niche of apex predator in all regions. When the first European explorers came a few hundred years ago, they witnessed vast herds of bison, herds that were unnaturally large, numbering in the tens of millions. Bison were at such large numbers because the human populations were still in recovery after being decimated by Western human diseases a few generations uh, before. While the populations of First Nation humans recovered, there was nothing to keep the bison in check. Their populations exploded. Wolves and bears and cougars don't hunt bison, or rather, don't eat bison enough to keep their numbers from growing. And dire wolves have been lost a long time ago. Indeed, if all humans were to disappear tomorrow, Yeti may have to start consuming bison. At least we'd be overrun. The second major reason humans must eat bison is that bison are better at living 
on this land than any other beast. When humans raise cattle, they bring them food. They build them barns. They pump water for them. They even have to pull the newborn calves from their mothers. Cows must be coddled in a way that would bring their ancestors shame. Bison, on the other hand, propagate automatically. They're better grazers than cattle. They don't need barns. And if a human tried to birth a bison by pulling the calf from its mother, it would be that human's last endeavor. All bison are free-range. You cannot factory farm bison. The best way to, ra to raise healthy bison is to largely let them be. The plants that they consume and the fertilizer that they produce mean that bison transform landscapes and promote robust ecosystems that are diverse and resilient to changing climate and weather patterns. Humans need only to make large stretches of land available, land that is probably too marginal for human uh, agriculture anyway. Put bison on this land, sit back and watch them proliferate. I'd like to, to pause here. Uh, the Yeti Council continues to list a, a good number of reasons uh, for the consumption of bison, uh, which are no less long-winded. One example um, the, council, the Council of the Yeti gives is the, to state that due to their massive size, uh, the largest uh, land animal in North America, bison have the best meat-to-life ratio when compared to other commercialized meat. So uh, one bison can feed more people, one bison life uh, can feed more people than any other animal. So anyway, uh, I'd like to get on to the end, and they sum it up nicely, I think. Uh, at the end here, so uh, the degree can the decree continues uh, thusly. Uh, honor the sacrifice made by bison by promoting and ensuring the security, dignity, and well-being of their species. Humans in southern Alberta, where the great where the great bison once roamed, must take the bison as their symbol. With the bison, their identity, their pride. Heed this well, humans. No. And that's how it ends. So there you have it. Again, told by the Yeti what you what you should do. I know it sounds a little bit uh, arrogant, but that's what it's going to be. What you're going to do. Anyway, I'm going to go get some bison, probably. Make me feel stronger. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.